Hi, my name is Chandler Malone, and welcome to the latest episode of Be Atento, helpful tips and stories from some of today's most successful entrepreneurs and investors. Be Atento is brought to you by Atento Capital, a Tulsa-based venture fund focused on driving returns through early-stage venture investment and local economic development and job creation. Atento is Spanish for helpful, careful, thoughtful, conscientious, and polite, as we seek to embody these characteristics to all of our stakeholders. Today, we are excited to welcome Michael Cardamone from Accelerprise to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today, Michael. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Awesome. So just to get started, we'd love to hear how your first day in Tulsa has been. It's been uh, it's been impressive. I um, got a tour of the city and everything that's going on here and all the all the activities and um, and investments that are going to build the the economy and the gathering places uh, this massive and incredibly well done park uh, right on the river and uh, have met a lot of really talented people uh, doing a lot of interesting things. So it's been it's been great so far. Awesome. I'm I'm, I'm glad you've had a, a great experience in first day. Um, so to jump right into things, would love to just share with our audience a little bit more about what you do at Accelerprise and how you guys are unique as well. Yeah, so we are a B2B SaaS-focused accelerator and fund um, based in San Francisco, New York, and Toronto. Um, so we run this accelerator program where companies come in, we invest up to $100,000 as they come into the program. We run two cohorts per year per location, and it's a four-month program where there's kind of the programmatic piece you would expect from an accelerator where we have mentors coming in to do office hours and workshops on pretty tactical topics that we think are re very relevant for B2B SaaS companies. And then the other piece of it is uh, we keep the cohort sizes really small so we can be very hands-on uh, and really try to act as like an extension of your founding team, specifically to help with go-to-market and fundraising, which we think are pretty highly correlated. So you know, we help figure out like ideal customer profiles, build out lead lists, um, you know, have you record sales conversations, help benchmark your sales funnel against, you know, the other companies in our portfolio and really help try to drive kind of acceleration on the go to market side, uh, both by being hands on uh, with helping with the lead list and everything, but also making intros to potential customers. So you've mentioned B2B SaaS companies a few times. Could you maybe just go a little bit deeper into what that means for our audience? Yeah, so B2B just means uh, any company that's selling to businesses where their core revenue comes from selling to businesses. We just don't do anything that's consumer-facing. Uh, and then SaaS is software as a service. So it's just the shift of, you know, a lot of software used to be on-premise at companies, and now it's the shift to software is all, you know, on the cloud, accessible via web and login, and anyone can access it. And that shift has been happening for a long time now, Salesforce was early in that in that wave, um, and it's just only uh, you know it's continuing to to happen. That shift from on premise to on the cloud. Awesome, thank you for clarifying. So, what's the profile of companies that you're looking for in terms of stage or industry, et cetera? Yeah, so we're pretty agnostic across B two B. A lot of our companies are pure SaaS companies. Um, some are kind of SaaS enabled marketplaces or tech enabled services businesses. And then as far as stage, it's pre seed, uh, typically founding team. Maybe they have one or two employees. Uh, they could be anywhere from pre revenue and pre customers to maybe they have some customers and some revenue. But typically, you know, we're either the first check in or you know, maybe they've raised a few hundred thousand for like friends and family or some angels, but um, pre-raising any kind of institutional capital. 
Awesome. Awesome. And so I know that you guys have probably learned so much from your time investing in companies so early on in their life cycle. Would love to hear some of the takeaways that you've had. There's been a lot of learning. So just to back up a little bit. So, you know, my background was more of an operator as an operator. So I moved out to San Francisco in 2008 and basically just got really lucky and ended up at Box when it was about 25 people. Spent some time there, went to another startup um, in the ed tech space that we grew to like over 20 million in revenue. And then in 2014, started doing some advising and consulting with early stage startups and started really just like dabbling with small checks um, on the angel side, doing some small angel investments, but really didn't have a lot of investing experience at the time. Uh, but had it stuck in my head that I that like I thought there was an opportunity to build a B2B SaaS focused accelerator. There were a lot of generalist accelerators like YC and Techstars and 500. Um, but there were only a few in the country focused on B2B SaaS. One of them was Excelprise in DC. I reached out um, just to kind of learn what they were up to. They were they had each started their own companies and were not sure if they were going to raise a second fund. So I ended up licensing the brand and eventually kind of taking over the brand, but launched our own fund as a separate fund in San Francisco. It was a grind. It took like 15, maybe 18 months to raise that first fund. It was a small fund just to kind of prove the concept. In hindsight, yeah, at the time it was really frustrating. In hindsight, uh, I'm surprised anyone gave me any money to invest. I had like basically no investing experience at the time. So certainly made a lot of mistakes. So some of the mistakes I made early on as an investor, a lot had to do with uh, decision-making and process around follow-on investments. So, you know, as a new accelerator and, you know, it was just me for the first two years, like I, there were a lot of instances where I probably made follow-on investments for the wrong reasons. Um, so maybe, you know, I, I was building a relationship with the founder. I got really close with them. Maybe they were struggling to raise money from other people, but like I really wanted it to succeed. And I was either protecting an investment that maybe wasn't going to work otherwise or protecting a relationship. And, uh, you know, and looking back on it, I think there were a lot of learnings along the way around building more process and being more diligent around decision making processes uh, for those follow on investments. So that was one. I think the other was, you know, having investing in ideas that you really liked where you didn't have a lot of conviction on the founder. Um, none of, basically none of those worked out. <laughs> um, and so I think, you know, one of the key learnings was just at the stage we're investing in, it's so much around the founder and founder fit, like founder market fit. Um, so that was another kind of key takeaway, I think from some of the mistakes I made early on. Yeah, definitely. I, I appreciate that. And kind of piggybacking on that question, do you have any advice or tips for emerging fund managers or emerging angel investors? Yeah, I mean, I think for any emerging manager, really just understanding what is your strategy, what are your strengths, and and understanding like how are you differentiated in the market. I think when you look at venture, there's sourcing, there's picking, and then there's winning deals. And I'm a big proponent that like, sourcing and winning are probably the two most important actually. Like I think picking you have to get good at. Um, but you know, it's, it's still, there's a lot of luck involved in this business. Like there's people, you know, you can get really good at picking, but it doesn't matter if you're good at picking, if you can't win a deal or if you're not seeing the right deals. Um, and so I think really thinking about like, how do you source deals and how do you win deals, um, as an emerging manager? And I think that's, that's something that not enough people really focus on. Yeah. And how do you source deals if that's not proprietary information? <laughs> no, look, I mean, uh, the access and information is getting more and more democratized. Uh, I think from a, as an accelerator, we get a lot of inbound applications, um, but we also get a, 
a lot of referrals. So the the one of the benefits of running an accelerator is the network kind of snowballs, right? Like we invest in a high volume of companies. So we've now invested in over, you know, close to 150 companies and like 250 founders because, you know, a lot of those companies have multiple founders. And so we have that many founders out in various different ecosystems. We have hundreds of mentors who are very engaged because they come in for office hours and workshops. So we just, and a lot of those mentors are angel investors and, you know, some are early employees at companies and they maybe leave and start companies. So we, we end up seeing a lot of referrals and deal flow through our network, which only continues to snowball as we add more locations and have feet on the ground and more and more key tech ecosystems. Got it. Got it. And so one thing that you touched on a little bit uh, earlier was your experience as an operator, you know, as an early employee at Box and then with the EdTech company. Would love to understand if that has helped to shape your thoughts as an investor or helped you be a better investor. I think the only way it's helped me be an inv- a better investor, well, there's probably a few things. One is um, I think I can be more empathetic to the founders in understanding like what are they going through and um, and like what are some of the mistakes they might see early on and like how, how can they kind of make sure that they build scalable and repeatable processes to really build the business. Um, and I think the other thing is, is it just gives me uh, – it gives me a good perspective on being able to see – and, and like identify talent within founders. So being an operator, you know, at, fat, at high growth companies, I was lucky enough to be around a lot of really talented people. And so was able to see different personality traits and things that I think correlate to successful people. Uh, and that's a trait that we look for in founders. So I think that was helpful to be able to like work alongside a lot of really successful and talented people. Awesome. And in terms of you know first time, second time, just early stage founders, what are some of the main pitfalls that you see them succumb to? I'll answer that question with like what are the things we look for because I think I think then it'll give you a sense of like some of the some of the pitfalls people make are are the opposite of these. But um, yeah, I told you earlier like I think you know the founder and founder market fit is incredibly important, and you hear you'll hear from a lot of investors like oh we invest in great founders, but. I, I talked to a lot of founders like, what does that mean? Like, I, I'm great. What does that mean? <laughs> and so yeah. um, so I think like really breaking that down to a founder of like, okay, how, how do we think about what makes a great founder? And one of the things that I always say, which I don't want it to come across as uh, in the wrong way, but basically like one of the things we look at is like, would I work for this person or these founders? And what I mean by that is like, not necessarily would I personally work for them, but it's, can, are they going to be able to recruit really good people around them? And, and then, so if you break that down again of like, okay, what, what do they need to be doing to be able to recruit great people around them? It's, do they have clarity and conviction around how their market's evolving over the next five years and how they fit into that evolving market and how they win in that market? Can they share a big vision around what they're doing and what they're building and why it matters? Can they talk about like, what do they know that's unique, um, compared to other people and, and why they're the right person to build this business. And if you can do all of that, and then and I think the other thing is like, do they seem obsessed with the business? And I don't mean that in you need to work 24 seven and be a workaholic and always connected. Like I have three little kids. I try to disconnect. I try to you know be present for my family, but I also like am obsessed with always improving our own business and our own fund. And I think it founders need to have that level of obsession where they know their numbers. They know who the biggest you know, customers and potential customers in the pipeline, they know why they win and lose deals to their customers. And they like obsess about how they, you know, the ones they lost, like, why did they lose it? And how do they get those? And so you look for things like that of like, do they seem like they're obsessed with building a big business and always improving? 
Um, and if you have all of those, you're going to be able to recruit good people around you. You're also going to be able to re- you know, raise money from investors. You're going to be able to convince customers to get on board maybe before you have all the features they're going to need. And so it's like critically important for founders to be able to do that. So the pitfalls I see founders make is all around the opposite of that, right? Like founders who, you know, go pitch to a VC and they don't know their numbers down pat. They can't tell you like, oh, our biggest customer is X and this is what they're paying. Or they can't tell you why you, they lost the deal to their competitor or why they won a deal over our competitor. And I think those are like little things, but it adds up around, you know, is this person really going to build a big business and are they like really obsessed and focused on that? Yeah. Awesome. That, that was a great answer and great feedback for all the founders listening. You might want to rewind that portion. Um, but next question, I'd love to hear if you're noticing any trends or if you see any trends uh, within the industry that you think will come to fruition in the next five, 10 years. Yeah. So there's two things that I'm, I, I think there's uh, a lot of opportunities still in vertical SaaS across a lot of different industries. Um, We've had you know some success investing in in vertical software companies selling into like insurance and fintech, and there's just going to be a ton of a ton more industries to sell into that I think have been slow to adopt technology that are still going to create you know really big companies. Um, and I think the other thing, which is kind of the opposite of that, is some industries are going to be so slow to adopt that sometimes it just doesn't make sense to sell them software. Instead, it makes sense to just build one of those companies with technology from the ground up so that you can just be better and more efficient at the big incumbents in the space. So a good example is I'm an, uh, I was an early angel investor in Flexport, which is basically just like a tech enabled freight forwarder and customs broker, but they're a services business. They just use technology to be better than the legacy incumbents in the space. And so we've looked at, you know, uh, we've invested in a company doing like doing that in the scrap metal industry, um, and I think there's going to be more and more kind of tech enabled services businesses um, where instead of going and trying to sell software to the incumbents, they're just going to build a better version of it using technology from the ground up. And even though they don't have the same margins as SaaS companies, um, I think there's going to be a lot of big businesses built that way as well. Awesome. That's that's great to hear from you. Um, and so as the last question, would love to hear, uh, I guess, any ways that our listeners could be helpful to you at Accelerprise and, and any asks that you might have. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, look, I, I we're always looking for great founders and great companies. So, you know, any uh, I would encourage any founder listening to this if you're a pre-seed B2B SaaS company and you think we can be helpful for you, um, would encourage you to reach out. We're very accessible. Just email, Twitter. Um, you can apply. I think applications open soon for our next cycle of cohorts, which start in June across all three cities, but, um, yeah, always looking for good companies. Thank you so much for your time on the podcast today, Michael, and, uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your visit here in Tulsa. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you everyone for tuning into the Be Attento podcast. You can find us on social media on all profiles at Attento Capital, and you can find us online at attentocapital.com. You can subscribe to the podcast anywhere podcasts are played. And we want to give a huge thank you and shout out to Rant9 Productions for their help. Thanks, guys. See you next week.